Eutron, Billy Puikas, Sasarin Gaital, Shias, Kamba, Puikas, Agola, Tassel Firkin, Falcha, Tari to Hain, Esa Kuluter Tabal, and Shavrom Hain is Ravmavan Kailis Sardi. Akas Trace Liam Levas and Kate Quakem Liam Puinchamakakis Akahoire. Co Taravakas of Hishe is a Tashis a Meshe, the Montori, Skumakin, Autonomesh, the Charles, Sintir. A cart commandant scot of the Aka is mean la Mawika Sagualiv, Gileras, Margotman, Firkin, Fochak Sakohoro, and Quira, Vorme, and Uktaran Jokilin, Agus Lesharunik in a Rolta, Shilanunan, Agus Bek Kupla Fakularam for Shila Sarafat. May I just say, President and dear friends, what a great honour it is to be here. I have spoken over the years in this room different circumstances and for different purposes, but all of them pleasant. Uh, <laughs> I should say to you at the beginning, as I, because now you're all teachers, I um, encourage you to depart from the script regularly, uh, <laughs> is that I almost could have been uh, a member of the INTO. Uh, I, after the, I left St. Flannan's in Innes, uh, I had a very good leaving. And we all got to that time the Irish Independence Guide to Careers. And it told you how to apply for all the different jobs that were there and so on. And you could put them uh, in order. But I actually got called to training. And it'll tell you the results were so good that I didn't have to, qu- to pass the singing. <laughs> but, ne- nevertheless, uh, being just in case, it became a necessity. A uh, wonderful woman, Lucy Hastings, made an attempt at uh, teaching me Claire's Dragoons and things like that. So I sailed up anyway, and I had the interview with, of course, inevitably, a Monsignor at the time who entered with me as uh, a person as to what you would call uh, moral appropriateness and so forth. But the more important part of it, which is interesting, is that I think you had to pay five pounds as a deposit for the sheets and the... Which I have to tell you, uh, in that particular time, my uh, sisters having emigrated to England uh, in the Ireland of that time, one of them was earning three pounds a month as a trainee confectioner, and you had a deduction for cleaning your uniform. So we didn't have the five pounds, and I went on through the further pages of Guide to Careers, and I applied to the ESB. And my first union was the ESP Officers Association. So I am, as they would say in those letters to the Irish Times, I'm grade eight retired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I have to tell you, uh, uh, in my eccentric career with responsibility for the wages section in the ESP in Galway, I have to tell you, those of you from Dublin, we lived in terror of a visit from a Dubliner who would become famous afterwards, uh, Kevin Heffernan, who was a, a travelling auditor and who regarded the station in Newtown Smith in Galway as being beyond reform <laughs> and having eccentric accountancy practices. It was wonderful because uh, the PAYE was just coming in and Willie Glennon and I would run a clinic in, in, in uh, Colnan's pub 
between people to how to fill in the forms and how to get your tax back, which we knew 19 years of age was very important. <laughs> anyway, getting where I'm just after I had the privilege of opening, uh, of unveiling a plaque uh, to Veer Foster, giving me his full name, uh, Veer Henry Louis Foster. And uh, it's really a pleasure to do so. After allowing myself that anecdote about my primitive past, I should say I also had the great pleasure of being spokesperson on education, among other things, when I was active in politics for the Labour Party. And I do remember the, that moment when, in fact, all sections of government trembled, the Easter time when people set off for the education conferences. But I must say I, I, I enjoyed them all. Before I go any further, I do want to wish Sheila Noonan every success and to say thank you for all she has done, not just for you, but for education and for the country. And I want to I know that Sheila will be retiring next year, so as I say this, when she retires, it's, she'll be retiring from a union that has such great strength. To have been the first female general secretary of a teaching trade union with 45,000 members, 7,000 of them in Northern Ireland, is a fantastic legacy to look back on. Yesterday I was speaking at an international congress of women's caucus and parliamentarians in 40 countries. But your achievement in achieving that is, in fact, something that is very important. I could say a great deal, and it is important, about Fear Foster, but I could also say a great deal about the, the INTO. It was always a union, not just of achievement precedents, but of the most positive turbulences. <laughs> I remember I was just asking you as I came in, uh, would Fiona Poole be here? <laughs> and I have to say it before I declare an interest straight away. Fiona is a friend of Sabina's and mine for a very, very, very long time. And I remember those great waves of liberation and emancipation and egalitarianism that flowed through the organisation during those, those times. Also, as well, I, I would have read some time ago, whether she is here or not, Neve Persia's uh, important kindling the flame uh, the history of the, the the history of the union i often think people are a bit <coughs> too polite about uh, 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 about the history because it, it's very much like ireland itself the pendulum swung regularly within the trade unions associated with education uh, sometimes uh, they were under great pressure from outside forces and they would uh, get a conservative ring such as, for example, in the 1930s, where the magazine of the union would say, the working mother is to be admired, but the mother who works for her children even more. And that would, of course, find itself reflected in 1937 in the Constitution, about which now I am constitutionally forbidden at the moment to take out But. Unveiling a plaque as I did to Veer Foster, Veer Foster was a quite extraordinary man. The union, I think, in a way, and to have achieved 150 years, is not the oldest, one of the oldest unions now uh, in the country, the Irish National Teachers Organisation. But I think, thinking about uh, Veer Foster, he is an extraordinary man.
uh, and I think uh, with a, from a background of wealth and privilege, he did have that great humanitarian instinct for social justice, and that was so very much awake, really encountered in him. He was very moved from his visit to Ireland before 18, in the early 1840s and then through the 1840s at the great poverty which was manifest. When I think back over the many years of making and arguing about policy, there's one thing that happens on this planet everywhere you go. When you're talking about 2018, or you're talking about Via Foster's time, when you speak about people in villages that are remote villages, or you speak in urban areas in New York or anywhere like that, all the people who want, in fact, to break out of the cycle of poverty, they will always say there is nothing more important than education. And again and again it arises. And of course the Irish, in a sense, in trying to break out of those terrible circumstances, those Irish, for example, the ones who could sell something so as to get in the boat and survive and go to the now part of the 34 million in the United States, they all put a stress on education. And that post-famine wave, for example, found that many of the opportunities were closed off to them. They weren't entirely welcomed by the previous waves of 1815. So they all went into public service, the fire service, and they went into the police service and whatever. But they all had one thing in common, those Irish families at the diaspora, they had the importance of education. And therefore, I would to say, when I said somewhere in my speech, when I was talking to John Quinn many years ago for his book, My Education, <coughs> and for lectures we were giving on, on what I call Radio Erin, we were, in fact, actually, I said, there's nothing more important, nothing as important in one's memory as the good teacher. And really, it is a test of a society, the status it grants to the committed and good teacher. And I think uh, that is just so very important. And when Vera Foster set about working in many ways, he really, I think, his work in the field of education, I think what was very important about it all is not just that he was moved by the poverty that he saw and the consequences of the famine, but we must never forget it is no, no, just exactly like, if you like, Central Americans, he was the humanitarian who walked with the people, in this case travelled with them, making three journeys on immigrant ships across the Atlantic, so as to be able to speak with authority on the conditions in which people were being forced to travel. And that was an act of solidarity. And I say to teachers, you are in fact acting in solidarity, not just with the present form of society, but with its future, when you are going beyond what is necessary so often uh, for in education. His work, Fear Foster's work in education, was, it was generous and compassionate. He got government grants for the buildings of hundreds of schools. He put his own money into the schools very often. But he also was something aware of something that was very, very important, and that is the treatment of teachers at the time and the restrictive and demoralising circumstances in which they were forced to work. And without a union, you would not have made uh, great any advances that would be nearly sufficient in terms of pay, job security or conditions. 
And I think, again, it is out of that feeling that he had for the importance of the teacher in appropriate conditions those to be enabled to do your best work that led to the foundation of the union. You have said, indeed, President, that Renato Thornton, Queen of Connecticut, the Arnold of on Carcum and Hosno, Ach, you know, in those early days, having to gather in secret, effectively ignored by both church and state, I think through commitment, courage and persistence, the union came out into the, the light and secured pensions for teachers and began to campaign for what was then a novel concept of, believe it or not, equal pay for equal work. This would occupy, as Per Shale's book points out, a certain, in fact, a, a very interesting battle would happen between primary and secondary and so on. I think that sometimes your predecessors, as militants for human rights, I have to tell you now, acted in most surprising and innovative ways. And those of us who are the elected members of the council might like to hear this. But I looked, for example, uh, my attention was drawn to an event in 1946. Uh, when 70 teachers rushed onto the pitch during the All-Ireland Final at Croke Park, dressed in black coats and carrying banners, demanding equal pay, while they were watched by Eamon de Valera and Sean Tier Kelly. The executive of the I to know you'll be probably disappointed to hear, stated that the demonstration had been carried out without their approval. <laughs> <laughs> now, I often think about de Valera looking at that as well. He would later on, when you go through the de Valera papers, and I later had a conversation with, with a, a one-time Secretary-General of the ITO about this in my earlier life, and, uh, uh, and that de Valera blamed the teachers, of course, for his, the loss of the 1948 election. And it was after that, the Secretary-General said, we could get anything we wanted after that. He said, you must never again ignore the teacher. <laughs> and of course, the reason had been is that he had structured Fianna Fáil, uh, very much on what was called the half-parish. And you had a niche arrangement between, if you like, a certain version of politics, the church and the, the school and so on. But 1948 was a big rupture in relation to that. But I think today the Irish National Teachers Organisation is in a very important, intrinsic part of Irish society. Members in virtually every town and village in the country. The INTO has adapted to many changes in Irish society. I think that the very first event in 2011 that Sabina and I attended was the All-Ireland Choir. And I remember going up and saying to Sabina, and I looked at the sheer youth of the teachers that were there, and all those choirs were there because of the extra work that had been put in, way beyond hours that were required or whatever, in teachers in achieving the excellence and the new standards that had been achieved in relation to choirs. And again, in, from our throne, we go out to classrooms where you might see 30 to 40 nationalities. And if they're all happy together, and if children of different backgrounds are able to see the value of each other, so much of it is due to the work of teachers and parents and boards of management that have enabled Ireland to be exceptional in relation to what it is achieving in relation to that. And I recognise it. And I say to yourselves here as President of Ireland, I thank you for it. If we have multicultural realities that are making progress, you have contributed so much for it. And I think, as well as that, we are sometimes 
in very, you could be very pessimistic of some of the circumstances uh, that uh, surround us. The INTO, through 150 years, has come through extraordinary circumstances. I've mentioned some endogenous conflicts that went on, but there are also exogenous factors. It includes two world wars. And I think then, too, it also found itself having to deal with great tussles for power. Because after all, if you go back to 1868, if you go back to 1868, at that stage there is a quite a tension between what is to happen about teaching. You have very liberated newspapers like the Irish Times, for example, uh, describing uh, that teaching isn't a necessary skill. So therefore, it isn't a, actually a history of a union seeking a struggle for status. It's actually a society coming to terms with the importance of education and the value of the people who will make it possible. I had myself an extraordinary experience insofar as that the school I went to uh, in Ballycar, which is now replaced in, in Newmarket Fergus, that you mentioned, Agora Kathleen, and my teacher I've spoken out to John Quinner, I remember about it. It was uh, a single room school where Miss Hastings taught the junior class facing this way and Mr Clune taught the senior class from third class up facing that way. And because of circumstances, I had stayed on and I used occasionally to fill in the chalked attendance for him and the, in, in, in the board. He was a brother of Connor Clune, volunteer Connor Clune, who had been shot. And he lived in Quinn and he cycled down to Ballycar every single day with a kind of a, 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 a satchel on the bar of his bicycle. He was full of kindness, and we would occasionally, when the weather was good, go out from this very modest place, and he would tell us the names of plants in Irish and English and Latin, and he would think it was much better to teach history if you were standing at the top of a hill and pointing to different places. And I, at that stage, in many cases, many, many years afterwards, it is that is the basis of my statement that everyone remembers the impact of a good teacher. And then, of course, there were others who had inherited another tradition in Ireland that might have been regarded as having more than a whiff of authoritarianism. And I think the charity requires me to say there were people, children in the parish that would be disciplined by saying, if you don't behave yourselves, I'll send you to so-and-so. <laughs> now, I think that one of the things about it, in many cases, I, I say all of that, is that in a society that is healthy, I think, the, let me say, the impact of a good teacher never leaves you, but also the gifted edu educator, as I have described it in relation to experiencing nature, experiencing the names of things in different languages, this is a celebration of the wonderment of a child. That is why education at the very earliest level, as represented by the members of the Irish National Teachers' Organisation, is such an important such an important part uh, of a society. I'm really not very into saying anything very argumentative, but you see, I've held these views for such a long time, even in the pouring rain, as you might gather. So I'm afraid I cannot just say that I have changed. I haven't at all. In fact, I have become more convinced, as I've described the new circumstances, of the new people who have been taught and educated in Ireland. And as I travel around, and even as I have said, I don't have any nostalgic view of the importance of having a mud yard or having a single room. 
thank goodness we have all we have new, new new facilities. But I do think it is incredibly important. Margot meto roll rehovak that motel in our sake, Agasajuri Hawk me a cart come and lauder into Akamarak. On a skimishit and on Liano Taralena Quibrahovak in air in the toy fossil for the gone. And there's something else I think that is very, very important in relation to the transitions that are taking place. It is, I think, often think about it. Uh, uh, even when I was in America in the, 19, the end of the 1960s, looking at the Head Start program from poor black families in Indianapolis and Chicago, and uh, children going to school hungry. We really have to, in many, many cases, uh, be able to say that we have to lift the level so that these essential necessities for participation in our society, what I call a citizenship floor, may be reached. And getting above that citizenship floor, the role of education is crucial. And it isn't as well in a matter of every now and again you get a dissent of some kind of what I call latter-day Weberianism, which is, is that there are all of the moral problems, like the moral issue, challenge that it is to include everyone in society, at least in terms of allowing their capacities to be built up so that they can get on their way both personally and socially. That this isn't only about measurement. It is a great fallacy to think that the issue is about, in fact, that when you're measuring everything, it improves. That's based in the history of human thought to a very old thing called the Cadastrian Fallacy, where a German emperor thought that he wanted to know how many, the extent of his forests, man putting nails in different kinds of trees, and then the Germans said, we know now nothing about forests, and we know a lot about the timber industry. And it is the same way in relation to measurement in many cases. You don't solve the problems of provision in education by simply asking people to keep calculating, endlessly calculating. I have the greatest sympathy with the teacher would say at the end of the day, give us the resources and we'll do our best. And there must be flexibility and trust in all of this as well. I think I want to say I want to wish you well. I think that schools have become an important resource in fostering an understanding. I'm glad that parents are involved as well. One of my poems, for example, in my second collection, I think, speeches about what it is like about the, the being outside the gate with all the parents and so on and picking up the children and things, and they're taking the bag and firing it into the back seat of your Eric car and saying, it's the weekend is coming or something like that. There is more involvement now, but we really all must work together to make the necessary transformations that are necessary, both not just in the provision of resources for education, but in the way it is structured and the way in which people speak to each other about education. And also the idea of, if you like, uh, allowing, uh, you never forcing new circumstances on those who are educators, but rather you're making it possible for educators to acquaint themselves with new complexities that they will be facing in relation to child development, professional development, and so on. Uh, I, I have said probably uh, nearly enough before I have straight. People who said, lovely phrase, 
uh, have I crossed the line? <laughs> well, it's rather like a certain form. I don't think I've ever recognised the line in the start. And it's, a <laughs> it's a delicate question. I do want to end by, by saying this in relation to something that is very, very important. Teachers are in educare, in education, are leading out what is in the fact the potential of young people, children who will become, uh, uh, become adults. And they are now in their diversity much, much more. It's going to be very, it is very, very, it's very, very different. You have to deal with issues, and I want to wish you success. I want to thank you for all you're doing as well, in relation to, for example, child abuse, child abuse that takes place not only in clerics, in sessions which is an abuse of, abuse of authority and trust, but in families. And you know yourselves what some children are bringing with them to school and so on. I want to thank you for that. I think there is an immense mens in relation to the new social technology. It is absolutely essential that we make it very clear that the technology be never used for exclusion or marginality or, or for bullying. It also is to realise as well that in cases that we have to change our language, we cannot ask people questions that denote a single form of the family. There are many forms of the family, and we have to take into account the LGBTI community. We have to take account as well of all the different circumstances that are there. And these are not problems in the end. They will become riches as what they in fact actually draw forth from us. I think as well it is very important that there be the word of praise. Far too often we have the notion of what are problems within the professions and you will hear people saying what the professions are looking for. Really. The recognition, as what I've said, of the importance that we attach to the role of the teacher in society, the role of the committed, gifted teacher in the community, the recognition of achievements. I mentioned to the people who will go the extra mile to have their choir at a higher level. And the same thing extends in relation to sports and in relation to engaging with parents. The provision of better support services for children. And I'd like to think that we will hear from teachers about what would make children's lives better. The special demand, and not too much, the special responsibility is uh, for special needs, which should be resourced. And I often think of parents, and I often think of schools, where you have to carry the entire burden. In, and we have to say, if the society has decided that the state must be limited, well, then let it realise the consequences of what it is saying. The state has a role, and we have, in fact, to accept that you have to give an initiating role to the state if you're going to take on the responsibilities uh, of inclusion. So I think, therefore, when you think back on it all, all the campaigns about closure and extensions and all of the campaigns that have been there in many cases, in the middle of it all, one of the great informing principles of solidarity has been the trade union the Irish National Teachers' Organisation. And it is a great pleasure for me as President of Ireland, Mór Uchtan, and here in Tres Liemlev. Agus Nilein Avrasarum, Galeanig and Agriach, the Veg Lero Lúkna, Vir Foster, Linhagen with the Nor Exantus in you. Agus Gok Rota Takama, Nav Nav Lech Lechluk, Agus Kinot of We Erin Agsarnini. Agus Gan, Common Muntori, Ni Erin, 
Vyakartire gosnikishasha kachak hoidehe in a oit ivad nitspwikta. And it isn't only that Ireland would have been poorer, it is Ireland that has been better for all of the efforts nihirak the afad, vitakishtakit namuntori, manaos fir, erfud nitire, trislimimimis gambwikaslip. Thank you very much for having the honour of joining with you as the unveiling of the Veer Foster Memorial to your 150 years of existence.